this morning I'm going to do a message that is going to kind of transition us from where we've been to where we're getting ready to go. Uh, we've been involved in, in seeing what God has for the purpose of our church, and we've been talking about His great love for us. And uh, I'm getting ready to start a, a, a series on, on prayer. But what I want to talk to you about this morning in transition is one word, grace. And I know when I say that word, you say, I know what that is, because, and many of you do, because you've experienced His grace. But what I fear sometimes is that we think of grace, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. And, and we often think of grace needed to be saved. But I want to share with you this morning, grace is needed every moment in the life of every believer. You and I need grace to live just as we need grace in order to be saved. And I, I fear that sometimes we don't really appreciate our God because we, we sometimes after we're saved, we, we forget the mess that we were in and the battles we're still fighting. And sometimes we don't really understand the wrath that he has against sin. And so we fail to appreciate grace. I, I make that statement based on what I heard Paul saying over in Romans chapter 7 because he said, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will free me from this this body because I, I know what I want to do and as sure as I start trying to do that, there's another battle that wages in me that tries to pull me away from what I know I ought to do. And we've talked about the purpose of the church and, and you all have embraced that. And, and last week as we concluded our study on love and the celebration of that, you were, you were carrying out what we talked about in that service. As soon as we said amen, it just erupted all over this worship center. But then we left here and the world beating on us and, 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 and sometimes we, we struggle like Paul did. He said, because I, I want to do what's right, but I, I have to battle this constantly. And what I want to share with you today, if you're here and you've never entered a relationship with Jesus Christ, I want to talk to you about the grace that is needed because that's the mess we've all been in. But I also want to talk to you about the grace we need in order to live. I don't know whether you paid attention to what Jason said, but he preached my sermon in, in a sentence. In case you didn't get it, I'm going to take a little while longer to preach it again, okay? Jason, you did well. Uh, look, turn, turn in your Bibles to, to Romans. And, and I want us to start with our mess. So that we can appreciate God. We're just going to hit this real light. But it's a mess that all of us have been in or are in right now. And if you go to, to Romans chapter 3. Uh, and this statement is made in verse 23. And it's true of all of us right now. It says this in Romans 
3.23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of you are a dirty, rotten, filthy sinner. Aren't you glad you came to get just built up by the pastor this morning? Oh, and did I fail to mention that's the description of me as well? <laughs> we are all dirty, rotten, filthy sinners. We have all sinned from the very beginning. Adam and Eve, bam. And it will continue on until the end of this world. We're sinners. And if you go on over in Romans 6.23, it says, For the wages of sin is death. A wage is what you've earned. Because of what you have done, you deserve death. You need and deserve separation from the Father. That's where we all find ourselves. That is our mess. Praise God, He didn't leave us there. But what you don't often hear talked about in that, because usually we just jump right to the good news. That's our mess, so let's jump to the good news. No, I want to... I want to stay there a while longer. Go back to chapter 1 of Romans. I want you to see how God feels about sin. I want you to understand that His wrath is toward the unrighteous. That's what His Word says. Go back to Romans chapter 1, verse 18, and it says this, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made so that they are without excuse, so that T-Mac is without excuse, so that you are without excuse. Your mess is your sin. And God's wrath is against sin. Listen to what he says on down there in verse 24, chapter 1. Therefore, because of this, God gave them up in the lust of their heart to impurity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Verse 26, And for this reason God gave them up to dishonorable passions. Verse 28, And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be. God takes sin seriously. His wrath is against sin. He loves you, but He hates sin. And His wrath is against sin. And when we begin to understand our mess and His wrath it's focused against what has messed us up, sin, then I think we can begin to understand and appreciate our Father and the grace that He extends to us. Now the good news, grace. 
Look in your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. And in one little verse, he kind of sums it up. What we've been singing about all morning long. In Romans 5, 8, it says this, But God shows His love for us. And while we are yet sinners, while we're still in the mess, while sin is still destroying our very lives, Christ died for us to eradicate the sin in our life and to deflect the wrath of God against that sin because we can become children of God as He intended. Now you know what the definition of grace is. You've seen the acrostic where you take the letters G-R-A-C-E and you put a word on each one of them. God's riches at Christ's expense. That, that's exactly what Romans 5.8 is saying. But God demonstrated, He showed, He said, I, I want you to see this, I want you to experience this, that while you're in your mess, Christ died for you so that He could bring you out of His mess. And the good news is, you can't do anything to earn salvation. It's beyond your ability. It's beyond my ability. But here's what we don't understand sometimes is, we need grace to live as well because it's beyond our ability as well. <laughs> Remember what Paul said? Man, I, I, I know what I need to do, but I'm having trouble doing it because there's a battle going on within me. I need grace. You need grace for salvation. You need grace for living. There's nothing you can do to earn that salvation. It is through grace. And guess what? There's nothing you can do or not do to lose that salvation because His grace is forever. And His salvation is forever. And that's what grace is all about. The story is told of a monk and his apprentice that um, one day they left the abbey and, and they were on their way to the nearby community because they had ministry events to do that day. And as they approached the city, the monk turned to his apprentice and said, okay, we know our task for today. Let's go and we'll go our separate ways. We'll do what we're supposed to do today and we'll gather here tomorrow at the same place in the morning and we'll head back to the abbey. And so they left and they went and they did their thing and the next morning they gathered back at the same spot. And as the monk saw the uh, apprentice coming up, he, he, he saw that something was bothering him and, and, and he said, uh, good morning, are you doing okay? And he said, what business is it of yours? Ooh, sorry. No coffee this morning, huh? Whoa, chill, Boa. Uh, okay, I think I'll just kind of let you uh, process this. And they walked on. And they noticed, uh, the monk noticed as they were walking along, the distance between them began to become greater. Finally, when they got to the abbey, the monk stopped right at the gate. 
and he waited for the apprentice to catch up. And he said, son, I can tell something's bothering you. And the apprentice started to fire back at him again like he did before until he saw the eyes of his master. And he saw the warmth in the eyes of his master. And he said, last night I blew it. I broke my vows last night. And I'm unworthy to enter into the abbey side by side with you, sir. And I loved what the monk did. He said, my son, as he put his arm around him, and he said, together we will enter the gate of the abbey. And together we will walk to the cathedral. And together we will confess what happened last night to you. And only God will know which one of us did it. That is the meaning of grace. For you see, Jesus Christ puts his arm around you and he says, I'm going to walk you in to the very throne of heaven and I'm going to be there and my shed blood will cover your sin. That's grace. That is the meaning of it. And we need it for salvation, but we need it for living as well. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And let me show you the reality and the everydayness of life. Because that's where we are. Living every day. And... The verse I'm going to go to is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And, and, and Paul, as he's been writing the church, he's been talking about uh, just a lot of different things about, uh, about the, the, the grace of God and everything. And, and he's just talked about a vision that he's had and, and everything. But if you'll notice, if you go down to about um, verse 7, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, I, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. And three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But Jesus said to him, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is is made perfect in weakness. There's the good news for us who are in Christ. And even as we struggle with the daily living it out, and it's, it, it's the fact that we need His grace, and we are weak. And that's what Paul was talking about. He said, I, I was this weak, weak, weak person, and yet... I was able to see this revelation. He doesn't identify himself. He's being humble at that point, but it's, it's him that's talking about what he saw. And then Satan came after him. And he recognized it. And he said, God, move this away from me. It, 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 it's hard on me. And Jesus himself said, that, if you got a red letter edition. That's Jesus speaking, said, my grace, my grace is sufficient for you for in your weakness my 
power becomes strong in your life. Folks, I'm here to tell you, if you will acknowledge where you are, like Paul did, and just say, this is where I'm hurting. In your weakness, he will empower you. And again, parents, you will understand this illustration more than your children will, but if you're a parent, you'll understand this. If there was a knock at your door and you were to open the door late one evening right before you went to bed and there was an eight-year-old kid standing on your doorstep and said, Sir, ma'am, I need a place to spend the night. May I come in and sleep at your house? You would probably respond by saying, Who are you and where do you live and why are you wandering the streets at 10.30 at night? And you would try to get someone to help get him united with his parents again. But if your son or daughter strode through your front door one evening late at night and say, Hey, Mom, Dad, this is my friend, Jeff. Can you spend the night with us? You'd say, Sure. Come on in, Jeff. That's what Christ is for you. The reality of grace is Jesus is with you all of the way. And every time you approach the Father, it's, it's, it's Jesus saying, Dad, this is my friend. This is my friend T-Mac, and he needs help. He needs a whole lot of help because he's all the big illustration of what weakness is all about. Father says, yes, yes, I'll give grace, and in his weakness, my grace will be strong in his life. But the question is, how do you appropriate that? Turn, if you will, well, first, I almost forgot, I found a quote. Folks, I'm a quote person, and, and and Lance, you're going to put this in the life group stuff tomorrow. I've got it on a card. You get this card, so you've got it. But li- listen to what, what Paul David Tripp said about this. He said, our problem is not our weakness. God's grace is up to the task. Our problem is our delusions of strength that keep us from seeking the grace that strengthens us in our weakness. We were not created to be independent. We were formed to be dependent on the one who made us and we were recreated in Jesus Christ to be dependent on his grace. Your weakness will drive you crazy unless you understand the gospel of Jesus, which is the story of a strong and able Savior who showers his powerful grace on people who are fundamentally weak and unable. And when you affirm your weakness... You are teaching your heart to esteem and celebrate the grace that can make you strong. And that's what Jesus said to Paul that day. My grace is sufficient. Now turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5. I had to share that because that spoke to me. It's interesting that I knew what I was going to preach on a couple of weeks ago. And... Guess where my quiet time was all this week? Every place I looked, it was grace, grace, grace. And God was just telling me, 
T-Mac, you need it more than anybody else in this room, so uh, pay attention. We know the meaning of grace. We know the reality of grace, but how do you appropriate grace in your life? And it's found in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. In this passage of Scripture, in chapter 5, Peter is talking to the elders and saying, shepherd the flock and take care of them. And the younger guys look up to the older guys and all of this. And look in verse 5, it says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to your elders. Clothe yourself, all of you, with humility toward one another. Elders, young, everybody, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. That's how you appropriate grace. Humility. The fact where you say, that's me T-Mac is talking about. He thinks he's talking about himself, but that's me he's talking about. And you humbly submit yourself to God, confessing who you are in His presence. And it says, He gives grace to the humble. Verse 6, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that at the proper time He may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on Him, because He cares for you. The appropriation of grace. Folks, as you leave this place later this morning, remember, you need grace to live just like you need grace for salvation. The story is told about a, a brother and sister who had gone to their grandparents' farm for the spend several weeks out on the farm during summer break from school. And, and uh, Johnny had been given a gift of a slingshot. And so he busied himself most days out there with his slingshot. And he'd load his slingshot and he'd fire the rocks. Only one problem is Johnny couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. And he missed and he missed and he missed and he missed and he's kicking at rocks and he's frustrated because he just can't master the, the ability to shoot a slingshot. And one day he's coming back in from target practice, having hit nothing again. And he starts to put his hands in his pocket, and he feels, oh, I've got, I got one, one more rock. So he takes it and puts it in his slingshot and goes, there's my grandma's duck. Bam! Any guesses what happened? Whoa! <laughs> and he runs over to the duck. And the duck is dead. Oh, my soul, haven't hit anything in my life, and now I've killed my grandma's pet duck. Well, he does what any wise young man will do. He scoops up the dead buck, duck, heads for the woodpile, buries it in the woodpile, and just as he finishes and is dusting off his hands, he turns around, and his sister Sally is watching him smiling while he does his deed. And she just smiles 
kind of winks at him, and he thinks, oh, no, I'm in trouble now. And they went in, and they were having dinner, and when it was done, Grandma said, Sally, I would like for you to do dishes tonight. And Sally immediately says, oh, but Grandma, Johnny said he wanted to do the dishes tonight. Didn't you, Johnny? And then she was standing close to him and said, remember the duck. And Johnny said, yes, I would love to do the dishes tonight, Grandma. And for the next week, Johnny happened to find himself often at the sink, sometimes out of duty, sometimes out of sin, because Sally just kept whispering, remember the duck, remember the duck, remember the duck. And one night he's doing the dishes and Grandma just happens to be in the kitchen at the same time. And finally Johnny looks up and he said, Grandma, I've had it. I can't take it anymore. Any punishment you want to give out, it's better than doing dishes every night. He says, I've got to confess, I accidentally killed your pet duck. Grandma reached over. She just hugged him. And she said, I know. I was watching out the kitchen window and I watched the whole thing. And I also watched in amazement how Sally took advantage of you. When I saw it, I knew you didn't mean to do it and in my heart, I immediately forgave you. But for over a week now, you've been dealing under the guilt that your accuser, Sally, has put on you. It's over. It's over. All is well. The appropriation of grace is for you and me to confess to him what he's already seen. You may think you do it in secrecy, but the Father sees everything. And He is already forgiving you if you will appropriate it. First of all, you appropriate it by yielding your life to Him and coming into relationship with Him by making Jesus Christ Savior and Lord of your life. And then you appropriate it by constantly confessing your weaknesses and your shortcomings and allowing him to empower you. Once again, the quote that I will give you. The grace you've been given is not just the grace of forgiveness and acceptance. It's also the grace of empowerment. Dr. Tripp again. This morning I ask you, have you appropriated the grace of God in your life? Have you come to that place where you have confessed, I am a sinner and I'm separated from the Father and I want to accept the free gift of salvation that cost Jesus his very life. He demonstrated his love for me by his death on the cross. And I want to ask Jesus to come into my life and to save my soul.
If you haven't ever done that before this morning, the elders and Jeremy are going to be up here in just a moment. And you can come talk to them and they'll pray with you and they'll show you out of God's word how you can appropriate that grace. But for those of you who are in that relationship with Jesus already, have you been appropriating the grace of God daily, hour by hour, moment by moment? When you mess up, confess it and ask for the grace of God to empower you to live like He wants you to live. Grace. Oh, wonderful, marvelous grace that transforms our life. Let's pray. Father, Your Word has been clear. Your Spirit has been speaking. And it's time for us not to only listen, but to respond. And Father, if there's someone here today that has never made that first step of faith to say, I need to talk to somebody about how I can meet Jesus and allow Him to be my Savior and my Lord. Father, today, during this time of invitation, would they get up from where they're seated and come down and talk to one of the elders or to Jeremy and, and say, help me. Help me start a relationship with Jesus Christ. And Father, for those who have that relationship, that are their, their daily cry is like Paul's, wretched person that I am. I just keep messing up. May they know that you've watched it and you have a grace for them to not only to forgive and to accept as you've already demonstrated, but to empower them to live for your glory, to make your name known, and to be a change agent in this world, the, the tool through which the Holy Spirit penetrates the hearts of those around them and shows them what it's like to be a Christ follower. Father, may we be obedient during this time of invitation. And I pray this in Christ's name. And I'm going to ask you to quietly stand to your feet with heads bowed and eyes closed. The elders, Jeremy, will be up here at the front. If you need to come, pray with someone, ask a question. If you're, if you're not quite sure what I'm talking about, don't, don't be afraid to ask. That We'll answer your questions. We're not going to be asking you a lot of questions. We want to help you find answers to your questions. You come while the instrument plays, while we wait. Be obedient to what the Spirit says to you this morning. You come right now.